naturally the first question that comes up is who am I to do this? And then the second question, and I think we all suffer this, is like we want to be perfect before we can inspire. But it's the imperfections that actually end up inspiring people. Hi guys, we're your hosts Jillian and Kaylin, and this is Teach Me How to Adult, a podcast on all the things you never learned growing up, like how to buy a home, manage stress, crush your love life, land your dream job, and how to love yourself more, because we could all be a little kinder to ourselves. We're still figuring out how to get our shit together, so we're calling in the experts and the hustlers for some real talk and legit tips on how to live your best life. Adulting isn't easy, but we got you. Hi guys, today we're talking imposter syndrome, something that most of us have experienced in our lives, in the workplace, or in our relationships, or hobbies. At this point, you're either profusely nodding along or you're wondering what the fuck imposter syndrome is. You know, that nagging feeling that you're not good enough or that you don't deserve the job or promotion or opportunity that you have, that's imposter syndrome. And research shows about 70% of people have dealt with it. It's super common among high achievers, creatives, and of course, women. So we're talking about how it's affected us, and then we'll be calling in a pro, Coach Rhea Carey, who is badass, so confident, she's amazing, and she's going to help us out today. You guys are going to love her. So imposter syndrome has been showing up a lot in our own lives recently, too. Yep. It, for me, has been this lifelong perfectionism issue where Mm -hmm. everything needs to be perfect and it holds me back when it's not. Um, It's fear of failure and stopping things before I've even started them undermining my own achievements and my own experiences. I mean, on the perfectionism part, we're both perfectionists. So trying to launch this podcast has been like the (laughs) hardest thing to do. It's not easy. It's not easy. And for me, I mean, I felt it and still feel it a lot in, in my job. Like there have been positions that I've taken on where I feel like I am not qualified or not worthy of the role. And then therefore I just try to prove myself so hard that it leads to burnout because I'm just working nonstop. We need to do more. We need to be the best. We need to be the last one at work, the first one there. And we need to be answering emails all night long to Mm -hmm. prove that we are worthy of this role. But really like you already are. That's why you're hired. That's why you're killing it. But then we just burn ourselves out. So we are trying to figure out how to navigate that. And something that I found helpful was doing some research and I found this doctor, Dr. Valerie Young, and her whole career has been like just studying imposter syndrome. And she broke down these different types of imposter syndrome that can kind of help you figure out like what you might relate to. This was super, super helpful. Yeah. So there's the perfectionists, which it's pretty self-explanatory. You have super high expectations for yourself. And if you don't operate at 100%, then you just feel like a failure. And then she talked about experts. So basically they feel like they need to know every single piece of information before they can start a project. They won't apply for a job if they don't meet all the criteria. They're afraid of looking stupid if they don't know the answer. They're literally, they have to be the experts. And that's been messing with me recently because as I've been looking to apply to different jobs or just to figure out like what to do next in my career, if there's any aspect of that job description that I'm not an expert in, I feel like I can't do it. I'm like, oh, well, I've that requirement, that job requirement isn't something I know how to do. So I guess I can't, I'm not going to be able to take this job, but like, no, because logically I didn't know how to do all the components of the current job that I had, but I learned them. Honestly, like as someone who's had to hire a shit ton of people half the time, like I don't even refer to the job description. It's all based on like who you are. Do I feel like you're going to be a hard worker? Are you going to add value to the team? Are you a genuinely nice person and skilled and whatever? I don't care if you've 
if the job description says seven years experience and you have five, I'll probably still interview you. There's a few <laughs> other types. Um, there's like the natural genius and those are all the kids that didn't have to work hard in school and everything came super easily to them. And when they do have to put in effort and something doesn't come naturally to them, they kind of freak out and feel like they are an imposter and that mm. they're a failure and that there's something wrong with them. But really, that's just that's just natural. Super normal. She mentioned soloists, so people who feel that they have to accomplish everything on their own, and if they need to ask for help, that means that they've failed. And then the last one, which Kaylin and I have both really felt, is the superman or superwoman who is always pushing themselves harder than anyone else around them. You were talking about that earlier, like being the first one there, the last one to leave work, trying to kill it in every aspect of your life all at the same time, and feeling so stressed and like such a failure when you can't do it all. Honestly, I feel like that superwoman example is literally what what led me to burning out this year. Yeah, I saw you. You were trying. You were trying to be superwoman. Like- <laughs> it was rough. You know what? It kind of started though. Like, yes, my job was really intense, but I feel like it started after I got married. I feel mm. like for some reason I was like, I am a married woman now, <laughs> and I am gonna get this new job and be killer at that. Start in a new industry, have the husband, work out a lot, meal prep, like just fucking kill it. That's so interesting. I've never yeah. heard you say that. That's yeah. wow. Yeah. I feel like it's like a new identity. Happened. Yeah. Yeah. Because I changed my name too. Mm-hmm. So I also was like, oh, I'm going to start fresh. And mm-hmm. well, you'll always be superwoman in my eyes, but we don't need to put <laughs> in that a healthy way <laughs> on ourselves. So through our research for this episode, I feel like it's really opened me up to all the different ways that I've kind of held myself back by just like succumbing to imposter syndrome and not really checking in with myself and figuring out what is fact and what is this story that I'm making up in my head about myself. Even like writing our bio for the website. Oh my God. Okay. It took me, no, I couldn't write it. You had to write my own bio because I could not verbalize my achievements. And you're such a boss. You've done like amazing things. And I was just watching you be like, I don't know. I am a digital marketer. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, you're like an epic manager. You build teams, you bring people together, you manage relationships like you. There's so many great things that you do. But it was so interesting to see someone who's just killing it, not be able to recognize themselves and their accomplishments. I've been writing my entire life, like writing, being a writer is what I always want to do. It's what I love. And I wasn't able to just call myself a writer until I was like, finally being published in magazines. And then I was finally like, yes, I am a writer. But before that, even if I wrote every day, I would never say I'm a writer. Cause I was like, oh, well, this isn't my job and I'm not paid. And like, that sounds pretentious and that's that's not true. And I love poetry and, and poetry is something I've done probably since I was like seven. Like since I knew how to print words, I was writing poems for my parents. Check out Jill's Instagram account. Her poetry is <laughs> epic. Thanks, man. I never identified that way. And I never said that I was a poet and I was pretty embarrassed about it all. I never posted anything publicly. And then I finally had one that just came really naturally and felt really good. And I posted it on uh, a website and it went like somewhat viral and kind of went everywhere. And I started seeing it everywhere and so many beautiful comments. I couldn't even believe it was about something I wrote and I screenshotted them all and I put them all in a document and I would look at it all the time. And I know that sounds really weird and narcissistic, but for someone who really has a lot of self-doubt and doesn't believe in themselves all the time, it was just a constant reminder that someone out there was affected by something you said, and that is valid, and that means something, and you are good enough to keep doing this. That was a very long way of saying, keep track of your wins, Hmm. because you're definitely gonna keep track of the times that you 
weren't good enough or that you failed. We're all very hard on ourselves by nature, but like track your wins, track the kind things that people have said about you, make an inbox folder of any time your boss at work, like forward something about something great that you did for your team. Um, any positive feedback that reinforces your value, just take note and like sit with it and let it soak in because that'll keep you going when things get tough. So all this to say, we are not experts. So we called in Coach Carrie, who is a three-time certified life coach and motivational speaker who specializes in confidence, visualization, and career coaching. She's worked with some huge global companies like RBC, LinkedIn, H&M, Soho House, and Get Real. And she doesn't just give talks. She actually walked the walk. She completely transformed her own life, and she's going to tell us all about it today. Teach us how to overcome imposter syndrome, Rhea. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've dealt with imposter syndrome on your road to motivational speaking and life coaching? I mean, you're just coming off of Elevate, which is insane. So tell us a little bit about your your journey. Um, Yeah, I think imposter syndrome happens and can happen to anyone and everyone. And I think for myself that it hit me hard because I had done events for so long and I was at the top of my game. So, and you know, we everyone has their ego and I do believe that the ego and soul both need to be fueled evenly. But if one's out of balance, then something in your life is out of balance. And when I transitioned to coaching, it was like I was starting from the bottom. Mm. And that in itself was hard, but then because that was hard, it fueled my imposter syndrome for many reasons. I was thinking, you know, naturally the first question that comes up is who am I to do this? And then the second question, and I think we all suffer this, is like we wanna be perfect before we can inspire. But it's the imperfections that actually end up inspiring people. Mm. And for me, my biggest like thing that fueled my imposter syndrome was my weight. Because I, I'm on, I've been on a weight loss journey and a lot of people know, and for anyone who doesn't know, I've lost over 300 pounds and I'm still going. It's but incredible. there was, thank you. And there was something that just kept saying to me, like how can you inspire and how can you do these things if you're not still where you wanna be? And it was something that like, you know, came with me everywhere I went for a really long time until I continued to do the work to push past that. And what I would say to myself is a quote that I came up with. I don't know if I came up with that. I think I came up with this. So we'll, we'll go with that. You. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> is embrace where you are today in life, knowing it's not where you have to stay. Mm. And so I would say that to myself every single day. I have a choice. I have the power. I have the control of my own life. And if I want something different, I can make different choices. I can learn, I can grow. There's so many other things that we can do. And what I realized was that people were inspired by how I was vulnerable, how I was consistently working on myself and how I was able to still be confident. And I started to get people who were just like, I wanna learn how to be confident like you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then from there, I created my confidence talk because I realized everyone was coming to me for confidence, even if they said something else. Even if they're like, I'm coming for career, I'm coming for relationships, I'm coming for this, 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 yeah, yeah, but that's the surface. At the end of it, I would say 90% of the people who did come to me for coaching, it was for confidence. And so that's kind of how I used my story and doing the work to kind of push past that imposter syndrome that plagued me for a little bit. I literally kept moving forward and I kind of like to describe it as like a North Star. 
So I didn't know exactly know how to get there. I didn't know the path. I didn't know the road. I didn't know the directions. But there was something that continued to push me forward that I knew I was going towards, if that makes sense. And it, and it, and it worked. And I think if everyone has their North Star or you could call it your why, it can always be the thing that propels you forward. I love that. So what does imposter syndrome sound like? And what are the narratives that go on in our heads? Hmm. I find that imposter syndrome and victimhood are very similar and they dance the same dance. And a lot of the time it'll just be little things in their language, like should have, could have, would have, have to, need to. And right away I'm like, okay, let's talk about, let's work that out because I can already tell by the language you're using that you don't feel confident. And then depending on how they use it in a sentence, I'm like, okay, that's coming up in your imposter syndrome. So someone might say, well, I don't have any experience, so of course no one would hire me. And it's like, well, you don't necessarily need all of the experience in the world to start. You could just be someone learning and growing and others are going to be inspired to learn and grow as well. And I feel like that's the most common one is who am I to do that? I'm Mm -hmm. not exactly there yet. And so then no one's going to want to follow me. But it's like people are way more willing to follow a leader than a boss. A boss tells you what to do, whereas a leader is there with you doing it. When I was 24, I think it was, I I applied for a management role and I ended up getting like a team of 19 people and they were either older than me or the same age as me. And that Mm -hmm. exact thing happened. I was like, who am I to be their boss and tell them what to do? Mm -hmm. And it was so overwhelming. Um, but to your point, just being vulnerable and opening up to people and just being like, hey, I'm a little lost too. It yeah. just made it so much easier. Yeah. And yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that actually makes you more relatable. Yeah. Right. Because people are like, oh, you're not an expert. Okay, so it's not as scary. You mm-hmm. know, and it's like, we're all learning. So people are way more willing to learn with you Absolutely. than to be talked at. Nobody really likes being talked at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... I find that that has worked really well, myself included. And if you look at any of the greats, the reason and the things that resonated with people was their humility. And yes, they, from there they may have gone on to become famous or big or what have you, but it was the humility that actually got people to follow and to be inspired. So we touched on it a little bit at work, but what are some other ways that imposter syndrome can creep into your life? Hmm. I feel like it can creep in in so many ways. Like even for this podcast, I was like, I'm not necessarily an expert on on imposter syndrome. I'm just Mm. me and I happen to be well-versed in many things and I am, you know, very qualified life coach. And I almost had that for a minute. And I was like, whoa, they want to ask me all the details of this. And I was like, well, I don't have a degree in imposter syndrome. And then I'm like, who am I? And I was like, ah, this is all, (laughs) (laughs) it's all coming full circle. Um, so I think it, it shows up in, it's kind of a catch 22. Mm, no, maybe it's almost a, a, an area of growth because I find that it often shows up in the places and spaces that you know that you need to be. And the reason that it's coming up is because deep down, you know that that's where you're going to grow and it's going to be uncomfortable and it might not feel like it right away, but there's something deep down inside you that's like, this is exactly the kind of growth and challenges that I need. So that's how I like to combat my imposter syndrome. You lean into it. Right. Lean into it. Brené Brown talks about that a lot and she's 
she's definitely someone i look up to and it's true lean into it it's it's and it's part of our fight and flight and it's in the brain and so naturally when it's like ooh, that could go there but i'm kind of scared it's like go there just go and see what happens obviously for things that are safe and positive but um leaning into it has been the best so it honestly comes up all the places like even elevate and i was like whoa they want me to be on stage and do a keynote and i was like but there's a million other people and i've only been public speaking for three years but then i leaned into it and i was like i've done my ten thousand hours i've worked hard and she had actually seen me speak at something so the two ladies that were responsible for all the bookings, one had seen me at one event and another, the other one had seen me at another event. So then when I hear that, I'm like, they saw me, that's it. Then I, I'm just like, imposter syndrome, you go over there. Yes. You are in time yeah. now. And now you're speaking at the same conference as Michelle Obama and Martha Stewart. Can yeah. we just Amazing. talk about that for a yeah. second? It's, it was really humbling and a really cool experience, but also made me feel even more powerful and lean into my power even more because it's like, yes, I am very good at what I do. I am a very good public speaker and I am a really good coach. And so I started to just start saying that to myself over and over and over again. I used to be so nervous going into my sessions, especially when I first started, because I was like, oh my God, if they don't have the aha moment or they don't leave like being like, life has changed every single session, right. that it felt like I wasn't doing my job. But then I realized that it's up to them to make what they want out of the session. If I ask them questions and they just sit there and don't want to answer or don't, are not willing to go there, there's nothing I can do. And then I would tell myself, I'm a really good coach. I'm really good at what I do. And it changed everything. And then I, one other thing I did was that I challenged myself to be extra present. And I don't take notes in my sessions. And so I challenge myself to remember everything, but then I take the notes after. And it doesn't break the disconnect, and then it kind of takes the session to another level because we're so in it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, those are some ways that I combat how I talk to myself. And I think just in general, how people talk to themselves, I'm really big on that. When I work with anybody, I'm like, watch how you talk to yourself. The shoulds, the coulds, the what, even uh, to-do list, I'm like, no, it's a choose list because every single day you get to choose what you do. Obviously we have bills and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, we always have choice. I have a coach, he's incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the most powerful things he's ever said to me is, your words shape your world. And I was like, whoa. Exactly. They do. Every single tiny little word. And our brain never sleeps. You sleep, we sleep, but our brain is always up and at them. Yeah. And so if every single day, if you talk to yourself in a negative way, then that's what's happening while you're sleeping and being repeated. Just like if you were to tell a four-year-old every single day they're stupid, the chances of that kid feeling smart are slim to none. And we do that to ourselves every day. It's like that Instagram I sent you a while ago that said something like, be careful what you say to yourself, even if you're joking, because your spirit doesn't know the difference. If you're just joking and shitting on yourself all the time, your heart doesn't know the difference. Neither it's does negative. your subconscious. Yeah. It, it can't differentiate between the two. So if you go, yeah, I want that job. And then you go, yeah, but I'll never get it. Your subconscious is like, oh, I'll never get it. Had more power. So I'll focus on that. So did public speaking always come naturally to you or was it like the scary thing that you worked through? Oh my God, great question. I had the biggest fear of public speaking. Wow. I could always do this. Yeah. Obviously as a promoter, I was always, I was 
always an outgoing kid. I always made new friends. I would shake. If I had something to read, I couldn't read it. I, it was just, I just couldn't do it. And, but I, it was one of those things like, you know, imposter syndrome and pushing past. And I knew that it was a natural evolution and a way for me to evolve as a coach because there's only so much you can do as a coach one-on-one. -on -one. There has to be other things under your umbrella and you have to scale, you have to grow. Like Tony Robbins doesn't do one-on-one -on -one sessions anymore with just anyone who goes on his website, right? He's coaching like Oprah or the Lakers or what have you. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I always wanted to be it. I'd always had visions of myself being a public speaker. And so I didn't practice, I didn't study or do anything like that, but I did put a fire under my butt. And for my 30th birthday, I was like, you know what? This is going to be my gift to myself, is push myself outside of my comfort zone. And so my friend was doing a charity event, and she was like, we do a speaker series. And I was like, cool, let me do the September one. And like five minutes before I go on, I'm almost having like my first panic attack. Oh. First and last, actually. And I'd never so had nice. one before. And I was like, <gasps> getting hot, and I'm sweaty, and my palms, and I'm freaking out. And someone really close to me, was like, listen, this is your story and nobody knows it better than you. Forget what you memorized and to speak from the heart. And I took a deep breath and I was like, you're right. Everything that I wrote is my story. So who cares if I use the word beautiful instead of pretty? Nobody's gonna know, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I was ner very nervous for the first like five minutes and then I kind of got into flow. And now I still get nervous a little bit, but I didn't get nervous at Elevate. So I'm just so in my flow and I don't rehearse at all anymore. Ever since then, I was like, oh, I don't rehearse. I don't do that. I visualize. Mm. Yeah. Can you tell us a little more about that? Visualizing has been a great tool that I use with clients. And so I was like, why not use it on myself? And so when I use it for clients, I'll say, let's say I'm like, okay, what's going on in your life that you might want to work on? A lot of people will be like, oh, I don't know. And I can't get past the blocks or whatever might be going on for them at the time. But if I say, okay, well, just close your eyes for a second and pretend that tomorrow is a magical day. And imagine you woke up tomorrow and every single thing in your life that you want changed was changed. What would that look like? And then they're like, oh, oh, sure, imagination, sure. So my, my ride to work would be shorter, this, 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 and this, and this. I'm like, amazing, let's start there. And when I visualize, typically, the visualization comes first. So I'll think about what I'm doing, the stage, the audience, me on stage, what I'm wearing, my demeanor, my body language. And then I think about the topic and then that topic pairs with the visualization. And usually I'll get like my first two, one or two opening sentences. And then from there, I'll go home and I'll type out the speech. Typically I'm in flow, just brrr. And then I don't really look at it again because now they've paired together and I'm usually pretty good. So how do you walk a brand new client through visualization for the first time? So I, I start with that question and then typically we'll break that down into like maybe three top things, whatever they may be. So if they say, well, I'd have a, I'd have a get the raise that I've wanted. I would live in a different, a cleaner house or not with this roommate or something like this. And then from there we think about action-oriented steps that they can take to make that change. So it's sort of about releasing whatever it is that's holding them back so they can see it clearly, mm -hmm. and then taking the actionable steps to make those changes. So, and one of the 
really powerful questions that I ask too is I'm like, okay, well, who was impacted by these changes if they were made? Is it you? Is it your mom? Is it a friend? Is it your kids? And it typically, depending on what the answer, it gives them more of that why. Especially if it's a it's a parent. And they're like, I wish I had more energy. And I'm like, who would be impacted by you having more energy? And they go, oh, my kids. And then they start usually they start crying. Hmm. But it's like removing it and giving them a safe space to just imagine what life could be like because it's not that far-fetched. What we imagine can happen. Yeah. Yeah, so it's breaking it down to bite-sized pieces. Got and it. then action and implementing the tools. Start with that. Just like yeah. if tomorrow was a magical day and everything you want to change was changed, what would that look like? That's why I say it's exciting, right? And we yeah. usually are all our own block every time. It's like this, that person, that. It's like, okay, but think about you because that's the only thing you can control. So even if there's a situation that's annoying you and you can't control what that other person is doing, but you can control you and how you feel and how it impacts you and how you show up. So if you have, like, people are like, oh, I had this situation with a coworker. And I'm like, okay, but how are you showing up in that situation? Did you come at it passive-aggressive and then they fired back and now you're annoyed about that? Well, then maybe you shouldn't show up passive-aggressive. Lead with more love and then see how that happens. And they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. So what are some other tactics that can help people overcome their negative self-doubt? For sure. Uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> Just curious. Yeah. Casual curiosity. No, no, this, is, this is not for our audience. This is legit for me. <laughs> no shame in asking. Fair. Um, I would definitely say having a, a mantra or a quote or something like that, like the quote that I had for myself, I encourage everyone to create their own. And then I like breaking it down to an even simpler place, like breaking it really down to the beginning. Cause a lot of people are like, I don't even know where to start or even know how imposter syndrome impacts them. So I always say, you know, unpack yourself. If we all unpack ourselves, then we can learn. And then from there we can see what we need or don't need. So I always say, start with four questions. And if you can do this every night before bed or a few nights a week, after two weeks, you'll be able to see either the patterns a repetition in one area or more. And the four questions are always, what worked well for me today? What didn't work well for me? What fueled me? And what drained me? And it's like simple, four questions. And typically from there, more always flows. But then from there, if you, after two weeks and you're like, oh, every time I hang out with this person, I feel awful. Cool. The following week, don't hang out with that person. Or every time I do this, I feel fueled. Amazing. So next week, add more of that. And then from there, you're building your self-love, your self-care, and your confidence that you're building up that resiliency. Yeah. And then you can take on the bigger things. But I think it really has to start from here at the beginning and what works well for you because we're all different. That's a great strategy because we're just so often like running without checking in. And it's useful if you're in a fitness journey or you're struggling with mental health, just tracking what you did, whether it's your behaviors or your food, to see what makes you feel good and bad and then making changes based on that. But without consciously tracking that, like you're not even aware of what you're doing. Absolutely. Even for myself, like I, I unpack myself all the time. I'm at the point now where I don't necessarily write it down, but I do unpack myself every night. And sometimes I'll write it down or make a little note in my phone but we have to track, it's just like goals, like mm -hmm. momentum. We have to be able to see it so we can see the progress. Like I couldn't, on my weight loss journey, I couldn't be like, tomorrow I wanna lose 300 pounds or look at it that way. I'd have to be like, I'm gonna lose three pounds this week and then I'm gonna lose 
three pounds that week and breaking it down the bite-sized pieces made it less daunting because yes it was really daunting and it was so daunting that i was like over it don't even want to do it don't care my life is good i have friends life's great my life was fantastic at 600 pounds to be honest with you but i wanted to be healthy mm-hmm. and i wanted to be a role model and i wanted to be a leader at the time i wasn't there but i knew that that's where I was going and that's what I was meant for. Uh, so I think breaking things down and starting there is gonna be the best way that someone can figure out what is going well for them and then to do more of that. And obviously subsequently what's not working well for them. Yeah. I think um, just coming out of quitting my job, uh, that was <laughs> definitely something that I had been trying to figure out too because it's been, it's been a tough year, just like, a lot of work, crazy hours, trying to make things great with my marriage and just finding time between work and friends and family and husband. It, it was a lot. So mm-hmm. I think that's one thing that I kind of had to do, take a step back and be like, all right, what's not working here? And right. what can we fix? Right. It's only been two days since I announced <laughs> it, but I am feeling so much better. Right. But had you not taken the time, you would have probably just kept it moving. Yeah. yeah. And then that's when people hit burnout yeah. or depression or a funk. Or haven't laid their rooms. <laughs> we hit the bottom, right? Yeah, we were lucky enough to navigate it together to a certain degree because we both kind of analyzed our lives at the same time and worked through what we could change. Like, I can't change what's going on with my family or in the world around us. There are a lot of things that you can't change in your life, but I can control an unhappy workplace experience and I can change how I'm spending and investing my time and who I'm surrounding myself with. And that's, and, it's, and when you think about it like that, it's, it's so simple. Make a couple of small changes in your life, but it's not going to happen unless you take the time to do that. And I always say to people, take conscious quality time with yourself. And I mean, that doesn't mean Netflix and that doesn't mean a movie or this or that, or even reading. I think reading is great, obviously, but the intent is you're getting into that book. When is, when I need, when I say quality conscious time with yourself, it's more like, Hey, what's going on? Mm. How are you feeling? How did you feel today? And that's why I, I told everyone to start with those four questions. Because I, I realized that it, so many people were looking at it like this. So big and so broad. When it's like, oh, you could just start here. And it'll slowly start to evolve. Because typically after those four questions, nobody stops. They're like, oh, well, okay, then this, then that. And I'm like, oh, my God. Boom. But we just have to open it up. I always like to say open Pandora's box. Yes. Mm. We were researching these different types of imposter syndrome and I found it kind of helpful because it, it helped me identify where I sat within the spectrum. So there's the perfectionist, the expert, the soloist, the superwoman, the natural genius. Do you think that those tailored approaches to analyzing yourself and your tendencies are helpful? Yes and no, because I think if someone who sees it as a negative and then finds a label, then they could live there and put themselves in a box. Mm-hmm. But if someone is seeking to grow and seeking to understand, and they're like, oh, this resonates with me, and now I can understand myself more and then empower myself in that way, then I see it as a benefit. Yeah. But if someone's really low and already feels like that, and they're like, oh, look, now I have a, a, a disorder or a disease, or look, there's a name for it, so I guess that's me and I'm gonna stay there. Right. So, right. So it depends on the person. So I do think there are pros and cons, mm-hmm. but it's up to the person to make that decision about how they take it in and how they interpret it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I looked at them and definitely related to being a perfectionist. And I know that that holds me back and it gets in my way. And I think that perfectionism is just fear in disguise. 
But then there's also that whole thing that I feel like I have to be an expert in everything. And if I'm not, then I don't even like feel comfortable being in that space. And that can hold you back from trying new things because you can't start off being an expert. But if you don't start, then you never will be. But then if you lean into that, that's where the growth happens. Yeah. And the perfectionist can then grow and then be okay with doing things the way that works best for them and being at their best, regardless of what that is. Yeah. So I think for everybody, if they were to read that and find one that resonates with them, lean into it or learn and grow from it. So for the the soloist, the person who feels as though if they can't do it on themselves or have to ask for help that they failed, but it's like, okay, I understand that and that can be tough. But imagine if you created a mastermind group and ask questions from people who you know are, are on the same page, are passionate about the same topic, then that person may not feel like, oh, I failed because I asked for help, but it's like I was empowered and had a really positive conversation. Yeah. So reframing it, but taking it um, for what it is and then growing with it. So true. We've, we've learned to do that with just launching this podcast because both of us are perfectionists to our core. <laughs> and we're like, how's this going to work? Yeah, yeah. I think everyone sense. can flow through all of them. Yeah. Because before I launched my website, I was like, it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. And then I was like, oh, just launch it. Yeah, yeah. Just launch it. There is no such thing as perfect. Yeah. A quote that I think when, I, when it comes to that is, all ships rise to the tide. Mm. So there will be storms. There will be high tides. But if you stay above water and continue going in the way you're going on the right path, you will grow and you will evolve and you will learn. So we've talked a lot about how to manage imposter syndrome. So mm -hmm. just to not to scare everyone, but what are some of the real tangible effects if you don't manage it? There's a part of me that feels like it kind of shows its ugly face on its own. Mm -hmm. For example, burnout or the perfectionist never being fulfilled. And then, and then they come to someone like me or someone else and they're like, I don't feel fulfilled. So something comes out of it that ask, that gets them to either think, ask for help, turn to books, podcasts, or something. So it kind of shows itself on its own because it is such a powerful thought process and it, and it becomes like poison within you. And then if you don't recognize it on your own, it'll show up and manifest in other ways so that you have to. So I would, I would truly my answer would be to unpack yourself. Mm -hmm. So that if you are experiencing any form of imposter syndrome, that you can start to see it. But also every day remind yourself that no matter where you are in life, you can get to other places. And so if that's a minimum, a very bare basic thought that you can think, it would be that. Because a lot of time imposter syndrome is, oh, I couldn't do it. Who am I? I'm not good enough. But it's like you have every single thing you need. It's a matter of how you're going to make the change. Like, I don't know everything, but guess what? I have Google. I have websites like Udemy where I can take any course for sometimes under 20 bucks. So there's not options. Sponsored. Yeah, not sponsored. <laughs> but we're down. <laughs> right? But we have resources and we live in the digital age. And I think that's one of the most powerful parts of the digital age is that if there's something going on with you, you can literally type it in Google. You could literally ask Siri. So ask the questions, but also I think, yeah, just to bring it, bring it back, is that you can truly make any change in your life. 
if you take the time to figure it out, ask questions, and do the things that make you feel at your best. Because if you are consistently at your best, more chances you are to be able to look for those things, see the signs, and absorb them. Yeah. And the best way to do the things that make you feel at your best, the, one of the easiest ways is hobbies. We live in a time where we did all of our hobbies when we were a kid, and then bills, work, school, society got us to stop. But those are the things that truly bring us joy. And joy and happiness are different. Happiness you can find in almost anything, whereas joy you can kind of only give to yourself. Hmm. And so if I were to ask someone, okay, what's something you love to do? And if someone were to say, I love to draw, and then I would say, great, when's the last time you drew? And most of the time, like five years ago, I'm like, what? Why not carve out a little bit of time, once or twice a week, to draw? Or if you're having a bad day, you're frustrated, you're angry in a funk, go draw. Because chances are, after drawing, you're going to feel a lot better. And whatever it is you were upset about is going to become much smaller or not exist at all. Yeah. So adding your hobbies back into your life, whatever it is, as long as it's positive and doesn't hurt you or anybody else, is a great way to ensure that you are feeling at your best more, more often than not. And it's just so important, I've realized this past year, to be self-aware and understand where you might be held back by some of these thought processes. I know for me, I think I've undervalued what I'm worth in terms of my salary or my freelance rates. And that's where I see these tangible examples of people who don't feel like they're good enough to ask for more. Even when I'm applying for jobs, if I haven't done every single thing that's in the job description, I'm like, oh, well, I'm not qualified, so I shouldn't apply. But it's just like you said, there's Google, there's courses. We have access to learn anything we want. And what matters the most is that you have the skills and the willingness to learn new things. You could even say in the interview, um, that's one area that I'm not fully well-versed in, but I'm happy, motivated, and willing to learn. And I've already signed up for a course. If I'm your employer, I'm going to love that learning curve. You came to me with... My dad would always say, come to his solutions, not problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you already say, hey, I already recognize this, the problem, but here's the solution, I'd give you the job over the perfectionist that comes in, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I do agree with the money. I think that's like a really big part of imposter syndrome in general. And I think everyone's victim of that. People asking for a raise, asking for how much you're worth, freelancers, entrepreneurs, it happens. Mm-hmm. There are people out there that do want to pay you less, that do want to nickel and dime you. There's no way around that. But I do think it's a matter of trial and error. So for me, I'll oftentimes be like, you know what, I'd be happy with this number, so I'm going to add 500 bucks. Mm -hmm. And if I get that number, then the next time I'm going to say, cool, so I'm happy with this number, and I'm going to add 500. But even if I were to get my original, I would still be happy. But they don't need to know that. Mm -hmm. I didn't say I love what I do, and a lot of times I'll do things for free. But obviously I have bills to pay and and I feel as though the more you give, the more you get and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. So to finish off, a question we ask all of our guests is what's one thing you wish you were taught in school? Without a doubt, how to budget finances, anything financial, any form of financial literacy. I would do anything to go back in time and wish that I had learned that. That's the one thing that I think all of us don't know. And when I look around in my age group and my demographic, we're all just like still figuring out taxes and how to budget and finances and this and that. And it's like, if school is supposed to prepare us for the real world, 
then we've done a huge disservice to ourselves and the next generation. Well, stay tuned for an upcoming episode then because it's coming. Oh my God, amazing. I can't wait because I need that episode. Yeah, we got you. It's coming in the next few weeks actually. So we're going to learn because I do not know. It sucks so annoying. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I was like 3am last night looking at TD my spend, breaking down how much I spend a month now that I've quit my job. Holy (laughs) shit. Right? What what am I going to do? Right? It's like, I know guac is extra. Stop judging. So am I. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. I feel so much better. Oh my God, I love it. And that was just, uh, you know, 45 minute chat. Yeah. Hire me. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> tell us. Tell everybody Actually, how they can yeah. follow you. Oh, yeah, great you, idea. Get, work uh, with you. Just yep. yourself up. I'm on LinkedIn, Ray Coach Carey. I'm on Instagram, coach.carey, C-A-R-E-Y. And then people can just email me, cc at carycoach.com. And my passion is helping people tap into their hidden confidence. But I just love being in these kinds of conversations and doing workshops and speaking engagements and one-on-one coaching. So I'm here and I'm literally just trying to put more love into the world. We can feel it. We feel oh, it. From yes. across this table. We're feeling great. <laughs> Amazing. There's a lot of love in here. Thanks, T. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. So in honor of Coach Carey, who just spoke at the same conference as Michelle Obama, we're going to leave you off with a quote from the former first lady. I used to lie awake at night and ask myself, am I too loud, too much, dreaming too big? And eventually, I just got tired of worrying what everyone else thought about me. So I decided not to listen. That's what she said. So there you have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard today, it would mean the world to us if you would subscribe and leave a comment or a rating. And we'd love it if you would share this with your friends by screenshotting the episode and sharing it on social by tagging at Teach Me How to Adult Podcast and DM us with any topics or guests you'd like to hear on the show. See you next time. Bye. Bye.